0: Welcome once again to the Advent Conspiracy, All right? And if you were here two weeks ago, you probably remember that we worshipped fully. That was the first theme of the Advent Conspiracy. And if you were here then, you probably remember that we maybe, maybe took the top of your head off a little bit about what it means to worship fully, what it looks like, what it sounds like, and so forth. And then last week we talked about that second theme of the Advent conspiracy, which is what? Spend less. And Pastor Brian gave a great sermon, encouraged all of us to make a very practical, we think very simple step of buying one less commercial Christmas gift this season. And many of you took some gift tags over there symbolizing your intent to do that. And many of you also participated on Tuesday and then again on Thursday in some of our relational gift-giving workshops. How many people were at one of those this week, either the, the knitting or the uh, card-making and fudge-making? Shelly and Ariana and Avila did a terrific job with those things, and I was unable to attend them. But, yes, let's give them a big round of applause because I was bummed that I missed... Well, I'm not going to lie. I, I wasn't really bummed to miss the knitting one, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the knitting one sounds like it was, like, 50 people in a room knitting. It was so cool. So, and we've got, we've got two more of those coming up this week. Um, we have, a, on Tuesday, a sauce-making workshop with Ben and Mark. And then on Thursday, jewelry and crafts with Kathy and Renee. And if you guys are still looking for relational gifts to make for somebody instead of spending that money on them, I encourage you to go to one of those workshops because they're going to be every bit as good as the ones this past week. So those are some ways that you can give more with, w- without having to spend more. You can still spend less and give presents, meaning yourself, your relationship. And so that's one way you can give more, which is our theme for this week. Give more. That's one way. But you still have to find something to do with that $30, right? (laughs) How many people can't figure out what to do with that $30 that you didn't spend on a present this season? I know I'm having trouble. Well, I I think we do have a pretty good solution for you today, and um, I am just flush with old friends, and my old friend James is going to come up in a minute and and give you a very good idea of what to do with your money. Uh, But before he does, I want to read one quick passage from Matthew 25. And I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. I'm taking some of the words out, but I, I trust that you'll get my drift and be okay with that. This is Jesus talking about kind of the last judgment, the final days, and he sits people down and separates them left and right in front of him. The king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you thirsty and gave you something to drink? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. That's a pretty story, isn't it? Then (laughs) he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. Ouch. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you thirsty? If you saw Jesus thirsty, you'd give him some water, right? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. James, why don't you uh, come on up here. James is a, an old friend of mine. We were just talking in the back, realizing that it's, been, it's got to have been a decade now that we've known each other. Longer. Longer. <laughs> Meaning that we're both older than we thought, than I thought anyway. Uh, but uh, I could bore you with lots of stories that would embarrass James but I think that would detract from the very important message that he has for us. And uh, thank you so much for being here, James and Jesse, and uh, we look forward to hearing what you've got to say. Thanks. All right. Now I've got the mic. I'm going to start in on the embarrassing stories about Scott.
1: No, just kidding. That's right. Yeah, Scott and I do go way back, and there's a number of you actually in this room that are familiar faces, that we've got some history. And uh, It is really great to be with you. Uh, actually... With some of you, you know, this particular group, some of you have your, your roots in uh, Capix Day, and uh, I was around every once in a while to help, you know, train sound guys and come to services every once in a while and get invited to the turkey fry and cider press and, you know, every time I've bumped up against you guys, it's, it's just a, a real refreshing time. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I don't mind if you get distracted paying attention to the pictures because, uh, we're just going to cycle through these as i'm talking and uh really what you're seeing is is just snapshots that are really uh just branded on our hearts uh from our experience uh this was a trip in august that we took uh really launching the impact end of the ugandan water project uh and so you'll see you know pictures of jesse and me and and the rest of our team and and uh just you know feel free to suck that in and what I'm saying doesn't really sink in. That's okay. If, if you remember these faces, that's important. Um, I really appreciate, you know, as I, as I came in, I, was, I saw some of the effort you guys are making uh, to connect your uh, Advent conspiracy themes to uh, clean water initiatives. And, and uh, you know, I saw these sheets. If you haven't picked one of these up and read it, you know, <laughs> here am I telling you to read your own stuff. Uh, This is really, you know, it really is amazing when you start digging into this. You know, a lot of this is talking about what's going on in Zimbabwe right now. Um, Most of us have heard about the cholera outbreak. Uh, You know, sometimes, you know, facts and figures and statistics can lose their meaning in in the quantity. And and, uh, I was hit by a story that I read. Um, Let me remember the name because that's important. Celia Duggar from Zimbabwe reported that she lost five children aged 20 months to 12 years in a matter of hours. That's a good reminder for me because, uh, you know, right now they've had a lot of the statistics. I mean, it's growing at such an exponential rate right now. Uh, That story said 16,000 reported cases and I happen to know it's over 18 already. Um, But it really is uh, growing at an exponential rate and it's important to remember that when, it's not that hundreds of people are dying each day, it's that one person is dying hundreds and hundreds of times. And uh, to know that this woman lost five children in a matter of hours from cholera. Cholera is such a simple disease to fight. It really is. It's a clean water solution. Water is medicine in that situation. And uh, so it really brings home, I mean, we're talking about what we're doing in Uganda, but uh, it really is such a, uh, it's a, such a doable solution. And uh, to, to spend some time focusing on giving more, giving more of our attention, giving more of our focus to things like that is such a profound uh, Thing and it's such a significant priority. Um, Let me give you a little bit of of background on what we're doing and how we got to be doing it, and then uh, we'll connect into our theme a little bit. But uh, basically, you know, this dream started when I decided to freeload and uh, crash my neighbor's barbecue, uh, Memorial Day, about a year and a half ago. And uh, I'd been helping some friends and got home, and I do most of the cooking at home. And I was feeling lazy and didn't want to make dinner so I, uh, I opted to, you know, I was, oh, there's a cookout going on, on next door, some of you might know Bill Moody, and uh, <laughs> I know Scott knows him, and um, he, was, he was having a bunch of people over, so I'm like, all right, I'll just kind of blend into the crowd, go over and fix a plate, and so I went over, and, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of focusing on my own deal there, and, you know, all of a sudden, he grabs me and pulls me over to a corner of the yard, and he's like, have you met George yet? You know, and I'm like, no, and he makes a rather crude, gruff introduction as is his way, and Uh, and I sat down with this guy, uh, who is obviously not from Lima, and um, got talking to him, and his name is George Nsamba, and he is a pastor from Kowanda, Uganda. He's also uh, a national youth director for an organization of about 700 churches in Uganda, and uh, just an amazing guy. Um, There's some pictures of him scattered in here. He's, He's the guy that looks really wise and older than we are and shorter than I am. And really round head. Anyways, um, so if you see him, that's, that's who he is. But he uh, he and I just sat down and, and talked, and he was excited uh, to hear uh, he, he had seen our band play at a conference. We were leading worship. I, uh, I'm on staff with Isaiah Six and their production road manager. And uh, he was like, "Oh, you got to come to Uganda." And and, uh, and I went, "Well, tell me what's going on in Uganda." And so he was just sharing about uh, the young people and his heart for his community and his heart for the next generation. And and then he got talking about uh, just some of the challenges that their communities face. And, and uh, I was like, so what are you doing? You know, and, and, you know, obviously his, his heart is to, to share the gospel in a practical way and, and to improve community health. And, I mean, he, just, he has such a father heart for, for those people. Oh, it's a shoe store. Yeah, see that? See the shoes? Yeah, a little different than here. Um, and, uh, and so I said, well, what are the solutions to all these problems? I mean, you've got to start somewhere. Where do you start? And he said, well, really, amazingly enough, you know, you start with drinking water. You know, so many of the problems that they face start at the, the basic human need. You know, some of us are, you, know, you look like a pretty intelligent group. Uh, you know, some of us are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Anyone sound familiar? Still remember that from whatever school you were last in? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, right after oxygen is water, you know? So oxygen, that's pretty readily available. Uh, water, that's, that's another thing. And so he said, you know, really, it's surprising because even, you know, spiritual problems with the church, church growth, it, you know, first step, water. Crime rate, you know, you want to fight crime, you provide drinking water. It, it is phenomenal when you start to really think about it. If you don't have clean water, so many things, health problems, community problems, family problems, education. <laughs> I mean, literally, a, you know, I see some young ladies here and, and you know, Ari over here. Uh, I've got three daughters. Uh, this affects young ladies because, you know, if, if you're the youngest or the oldest in the family, the women are the ones who are sent to fetch water, uh, and they have to travel great distances. And so, you know, education is ruled out for them because they're having to meet those basic needs. I mean, some of them are walking, you know, three kilometers each way twice a day to haul water, and it's very time-consuming. So just the practical side of it is you don't have time to, to explore your, your strengths and abilities, your dreams, your aspirations. Those are not options. Go get some water, you know, or we're all going to die. It's, it's just those simple things. So he's talking to me about, about this, and I'm like, all right, well, what, is, what do we do about it, you know? And I'm a solutions guy. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into logistics and figuring out, all right, what do we do? You know, do we dig wells? Is that the thing? You know, Bono seems to be into that. You know, every rock star in America is talking about digging wells in Africa. And is that, is that the, you know, the best solution? And uh, he said, well, you know, those are, those are good solutions, but really... It's a very expensive one, and it's not necessarily the best bang for buck in in Uganda. Uh, He was explaining that, you know, East Africa, where where Uganda is situated, uh, over there with Kenya and Tanzania, uh, they get a lot of rainfall. They have two rainy seasons a year. Even when it's not the rainy season, it still gets regular rainfall. Uh, We were there in August. That's not a rainy season, but, you know, we saw it rain three times, and... I mean, it was serious rain. I mean, big, fat rain, upside-down rain, I mean, everywhere. I mean, you look at him like, how, how did the inside of my pant legs get wet? I don't understand this. I was in the van even. You know, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, you know, real rain. And so he was saying, you know, we get lots of rainfall. The challenge is we don't have a way to, to safely store it and keep it from, you know, intermixing with, with wastewater and gray water. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, so what, what do you think is the best way to do this? And so he said... You know, rainwater harvesting is, you know, putting it, in, you know, catching it on the buildings and putting it into tanks, you know, that's a good solution. So we spent about a year just developing the relationship with George. Uh, you know, he was here for a conference, so we had a chance to spend some time with him, but then emailing back and forth. And, and then getting to know other people that are working in Africa and getting advice and learning from their experience and, and just doing the research to make sure that we understood what is the best way to go about doing this, what's the system that will be most efficient. What's sustainable? How do we make it organic to the community so that they own it? You know, uh, you know, you see situations where someone will come in and they'll dig a well and they'll put a tank and they'll put a generator for a pump and you know, they fly back home and three weeks later the generator breaks and they get a, an email, your generator broke, can you fly back over here and fix it? You know, How do we, how do we figure out something that they, they recognize as something that is theirs and it's sustainable? And, uh, and basically what we landed on was uh, these rainwater tanks, these collection tanks, and it's basically a big, black, plastic, polyethylene, UV-stable, seamless, injection-molded tank. Nothing pretty, but it's very practical. It has a 35-year lifespan. We're generally working with 10,000-liter tanks. And a 10,000-liter tank is, is adequate, based on their rainfall and their population, to supply uh, about 100, anywhere from 100 to 200 families, depending on where, what area you're in, uh, with safe drinking water for, you know, 35 years. That's a pretty big impact. You know, when you look at it and say each tank is potentially drinking water for a thousand people, uh, you know, that's, it's impressive. Was, these are pictures of some of the tanks we're talking about. And, uh, and basically, we're, we're you know, putting them on community buildings, so churches, schools, uh, clinics, orphanages, community-valued uh, places that, you know, there's a, already an organic structure relationally, and there's already an, a, a community value to that location which is really significant there. Uh, sometimes the wells that people are digging are dug in a, in a location where yes, you can access water, but who's controlling that area? And you see you know, uh, different groups coming in and, and basically taking control over that. The great thing here is you're taking advantage of the organic community values and, and the structure already present. Um, so, so it's a big impact, You know, 100 to 200 families, safe drinking water for 35 years, no moving parts, it's all, Rain falls from the sky into the gutters and into the tank. We can do this quickly, too. That was the other thing that we really felt when we realized how quickly we could do it was part of why this is a good solution. Uh, the tanks are manufactured. as two manufacturers, actually, in Uganda. Uh, Aquasantec operates under Crest Tank and Polyfiber. And so, you know, hey, we're Americans. A little competition's good. I like that there's two places to, to pick from, and, and we're not freighting anything in. So we're like, all right, this is good. To, uh, this is good keeps overhead down and, and, and increases our impact. Uh, the other thing is, is that we can place them in about 15 days. Uh, you know, our materials say a 30-day start-to-finish timeline. From the moment that we get a check to the moment we hand pictures or email pictures out of evidence, 30 days. That is light speed in Africa. Has anybody been to Africa here? Anybody? Where have you been? Tanzania? Oh, that's a pretty serious place. Did you get Belharzia? No, probably not. She's not insane, so that's good. Uh, who else? Where? Yeah? We stopped in Ethiopia. Layover. <laughs> Layover was great. Yeah. Anybody else? Who else? Kenya. We're in Kenya. In Nairobi, yeah. That's great. Anybody else? All right. So, but those of you that have been to Africa, nothing happens quickly, does it? Yeah, I mean, driving takes forever. Trying to make a phone call can take forever. You know, their Internet is dial-up. Doesn't that just kill you? <laughs> oh, we're so lucky. Um, yeah, I mean, they blew it. You know, I had my BlackBerry there, and obviously I didn't have service, uh, but it didn't stop me from every five seconds doing this. But, um, but no, it just, I mean, they, they, it was so bizarre for them to consider. I was like, yeah, if I want to go online, it's just right here. And they're like, what? You know, just such a strange experience c- contrasted to what they're used to. So, yeah, everything takes forever. So, to be able to do this within 15 days, 30 days, uh, beginning of October, we, we uh, did a tank in Mubendi, and I wired the funds on the second. By the fifth, it was installed. Uh, so, it's fast. The other, the other thing is just the overall cost. We can do these, these tanks for $3,000. Now, you guys are aware of that because I know you, you guys have been raising money, this, and <laughs> this excites me just to see. I'm like, oh, praise God. Because, you know, I've seen these faces that, th- that those little water drops are going are gonna to affect, and you're seeing them now. Um, so $3,000, that is tremendous impact for that money. It costs $15,000 to dig a well. We can do five tanks for that much money. And the, and the real tragic thing that we don't really hear about in the, in the news is after two years, because I, we saw this, I said, you remember, Je- I don't know, Jesse, if you were part of that conversation, but we drove by a, uh, a wellhead, and I said to George, I said, George, that's a borehole, right, one of the, one of the wells? He's like, yeah, yeah. I said, why, are, why is there no one there? He's said, oh, this one is dry. I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> dry? He's like, oh, yes. You know, and he, he went on to explain that within two years, about half of these things go dry. That is a lot of cash to drop for a lawn ornament, isn't it? And, and I'm like, you are kidding me. And so obviously there are places where wells are really the best solution, but it just confirmed for us that we have a, a good uh, sustainable method for, for, you know, bringing change. And then to actually go there and see face to face and go to some of these villages and talk to the pastors, uh, Frederick Maka, uh, he's in some of these pictures. Uh, I was talking to him in Jinja and, uh, I said, so tell me, what does this mean? How does this change your community's life? You know, what were your options? And he said, well, before we did, we'd have to, you know, if we wanted to purchase water, we could, we could, uh, you know, walk, three or four kilometers each way and, and, and do that whole deal, but we'd have to purchase the water that we were walking to. And we'd have to spend, you know, this is a, you know, most of the, the developing world, you know, one to $2 a day is what they're earning. And they're having to, they would have to spend about half of their earnings to purchase the water that they would need for a day. And so I'm like, all right, well, that sounds great, but I'm guessing you probably really can't afford that. And he said, no. I said, so wh- then what do you do? What you, what's your other option? He said, well, we get water from, and he starts to point and I'm, I go, the lake no no he's trying to think his english wasn't so good it's a uh, river he's like no the uh the uh pond stream please say stream no no the uh swamp the swamp and i'm like yeah i was really hoping you wouldn't say swamp but this is the truth i mean they're they're sending their children to go and fetch water in these dirty jerry cans in the swamp and it just is profound to think it blows me away that that's, that's what they use to cook with. That's what they use for drinking water. That's what they use to wash their hands. You know, when I get done washing my hands in that water, I want to wash my hands. It's really, it's, it's that bad. Uh, you know, one of the biggest killers, the, one of the deadliest predators in Africa is, is the uh, E. coli bacteria. And, you know, E. coli is, is a pretty serious thing. And, you know, we, we hear about it in the news every once in a while. They have some minor trace of E. coli at a salad bar and they close the restaurant down for a week. Or uh, remember that spinach thing was last year or something like that? You know, two years ago. Suddenly, you know, we couldn't get our spinach. I don't really eat much spinach, but, you know. I was like, oh, no, I can't get spinach, you know. And then, you know, after a while, okay, I can get my spinach again. And uh, that was all about E. coli. The, the allowable CFUs per 100 milliliters of E. coli that's allowable in our drinking water is zero, right? And you probably don't understand what CFUs are. I couldn't show you how much 100 milliliters is, but I know what zero is, and zero is zero, right? Totally unacceptable. There's a certain allowable amount of arsenic allowed in our water, right? Have you seen that every once in a while? Once a year, the water companies, they send us that thing that analyzes it, and every once in a while, if I have absolutely nothing to do that day, I'll, like, read through it and go, oh, look, we get some of our water from Hemlock Lake, and, oh, look, there's this in that, you know. Arsenic is allowed in our water in small trace amounts, but no E. coli, okay? It's serious stuff. Durand Eastman Park. Does anybody go swimming up there? No? Okay, yeah, smart people. Uh, it'll get up to like 200, 400 CFUs per 100 milliliters, and they close it down like, too much poo in the water, right? E. coli, it's going to kill you. If you swim in this, you could get sick and die, right? It is not uncommon in Uganda to find trace, uh, to, when they're analyzing the surface, available surface water, uh, to find reads of 10,000 to 20,000 CFUs per 100 milliliters. Dangerous. They're drinking from swamps. Okay, so we were, we found this solution. We we talked to you know it, it seemed like a good option, and we started doing this. And the impact we're starting to see is just just amazing to see lives transformed because it, it really, when we're giving this way, what it gives in return is much more than we understand. Obviously, it gives them their health back, right? It also gives them tremendous quantities of time. It gives, as I said before, access to education. You know, that's a hope and a future. It, it is just amazing what you give when you're giving that, that gift of water. It gives a sense of community. I know this group of people really values community. I know it's one of your core values. And I know the way that the amount of time and energy and money you put in to community here. Well, when you have such absolute poverty, it's a cutthroat and aggressive element in any community. It is... You know, hey, I don't have basic needs, every man for himself, you know. I didn't, Jesse and I, we didn't meet anybody there. All these people you're seeing, breakfast is not a concept that's part of their everyday life. Some of the people eat two meals a day. And it's always the same thing. You saw some of those, that, that baby has malaria. That was wild. <laughs> to touch her and feel the fever coming off her. Sorry. Um, they, they eat matoke, which is like a plantain. It's really, really starchy. Like, has anybody had plantains? Probably in this room, right? Yeah? Yeah. And Toki's even less interesting than pl- plantains. And they steam it, and it's just starch. It's just basically filler. That and a handful of dry beans, that's what they live on, right? Um, sorry, the, the baby got me sidetracked. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, the relationships, they really capture you. So it is a little tough sometimes when I'm seeing all these pictures. Ah, um, uh, Where was I going? Community. Thank you. I'm glad you're paying more attention than me. So you give them a shared resource in their community, and suddenly it has a unifying, drawing factor. You put this on a church, and especially, be, you know, we're talking to businesses and in, in public schools and things about this. It's great to be with insiders here and be able to say, yeah, our prime, one of our we have three goals, meet that basic need for drinking water. The second one is to strengthen communities, specifically local churches. You put a water tank on a church, and suddenly the whole community now sees that church differently. Now, that is a physical resource provider. And if you can begin to get them to look at a church as a physical resource provider, it's much easier for them to understand that there might be a spiritual resource that, that they need there, too. It also affects the church. I mean, imagine if you didn't see yourself. Imagine if you were totally uh, just it, it, uh, in bondage to this poverty mentality, and you couldn't really see yourself as a giver. You didn't, you know, it, It's so entrapping and, and really limits the way you identify yourself. To give a church that, I mean, these people, you know, George's church is 250-some people, two cars. You know, every way you measure it, you're like, man, these people are poor, right? But you give them a resource and you say, you now are giving and providing for your community. Suddenly our giving just empowered their giving. And what they're now doing in the natural affects who they see themselves to be in the spiritual. Now they can see themselves, oh, well, maybe we are givers. We're still dirt poor, (laughs) You know, we still have nothing. Some of our kids are still literally running around naked because they don't physically own any clothes for that child yet. But there's this redefining happening inside them. And that is exciting because now we're helping them to see themselves as God really intended them. You know, there's a whole, this goal, you know, God, you know, the Bible says that God knows the plans he has for us. You know, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future, right? That's for each and every one of us. And if you can't even begin to open your eyes to that, then you certainly will never lay hold of it. And, and this is a way of just kind of shining that light into their heart uh, where right now they're totally blind to it just because of the, the circumstances they're in. So this has just been an amazing experience to be part of as we're starting to see uh, obviously disease and, and things like that being, being uh, combated against by giving them safe drinking water, but also this transformation of these communities. Uh, we've talked with Pastor George just about the effect he's seeing, and, and he said it's just exciting. You know, it, it really is uh, just tr- changing the way that people interact, so that's exciting. The third major goal we have is where you come in, the direct connection between people here who want to give and people there who are receiving, and that is exciting because we're doing this, it's, it's small bite-sized pieces. It's one tank at a time, one village at a time, one group of people at a time that we can say, hey, Artisan Church, you know, here's, here's Mityana. Mitiana is a small village about 90 miles outside of Kwanda. You know, here's the people there. Here's the pictures of these people. Here's some of their email addresses. They don't eat two meals a day, but they will scrape together their shillings and go in on 15 minutes of internet because it's that hope that's represented by interconnecting with people, by reaching out and having that relational contact. They don't eat solid but they want to communicate. They want that relational need met. So t- connecting us, because I want them to know who you are. I've met you. I like you. You're great. I want them to see the heart and, and just the love and, and that, just that tremendous power that comes from global community, from saying, hey, we're not all that different. In some ways, we're completely different, but at the same time, we're all human. Um, and and I, I desperately want you to know more about you know the faces you see. I mean, these, you know, to hold these children and and laugh with them and and people our own age to sit and go, hey, their sense of humor is pretty much the same as mine and you know, just, they're fun to be around, they're easy to be around and they're so similar to us in in so many ways. I want that connection so we're we've made it a primary goal of the project to really create that connection. To say, hey, let's interact, let's keep this going. Uh, I felt really stupid when I realized (laughs) that was definitely one of our, our goals from the beginning But then when it actually started happening, and uh, you know, like Jesse's church, uh, Jesse's church, they've been just awesome. They've already sponsored two tanks. They're in the process of sponsoring a third. There's individuals within his church that are doing stuff on their own. And now they're like, yeah, we wanna go to Uganda. We wanna, you know, we wanna take a few people over there and and meet some of these people we're helping. You know, and they're talking about trying to figure out what to do next to help those people. And I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) we did we did, we put so much energy into making you feel connected i guess we should probably help you figure out what step 2 would be <laughs> because it's it's happening you know meanwhile we're you know the project is focused on moving on to help create that step 1 for more and more groups of people but it's exciting to go oh oh yeah yeah thanks that's great you're doing it all right go with it you know um so it's it really is it, it's been a, just a, an unbelievable experience it's it's humbling it's humbling to realize, it's almost like, have you ever done, uh, think back to, what's a good picture, like, sometimes when you're in youth group, you'll, they'll do these things where they, uh, they have you close your eyes and they'll, like make, they'll put you on something that, they lift just a little bit off the ground and they make you feel like you're way up high in the air. Have you ever done that? It's like, they, they put you on, like a, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, like something small they can lift up and everyone holds your hands and you close your eyes, and then they lift it just this high off the ground, but then they shrink down, like, and it gives you this illusion like you're way up high in the air, right? And then all of a sudden, they have you open your eyes, and you feel really stupid because you realize you're just this high off the ground, but you're like getting all nervous and sweating because, you know, this whole illusion, right? Well, it's kind of like that feeling of opening your eyes and going, whoa! Because before, if someone said, we need to save these people, we need to do something, you know, as, a, as you know, it, it was like the beginning of the conversation with Pastor George. I realized we've got to do something. But I wouldn't have known. I mean, I, I said, how complex is this? I know groups that have been trying to dig wells for literally over a year. The timeline has tripled, the budget has doubled, and they still have no evidence. And so I'm like, this has got to be really complicated. And he goes, oh, no, it's not. Here's how you do it. And as we, we saw how simple it was, it was that eye-opening experience of, wow, this is within our reach. I mean, this is within reach of so many people, because it's like, I'm like, $3,000? We've had, we had one family, they have like a sickness now, right? They're like addicted to impact. <laughs> They've, this one individual family has uh, sponsored three tanks just by themselves. And they just, I mean, when we got back from Uganda and I emailed video of uh, Pastor George and another local pastor saying, thank you to the Melendez family. Thank you for doing what you've done, for sacrificing for giving to us, and for saving lives here in Uganda. I, I emailed that, that uh, video to them and called them ten minutes later. And when they realized who it was on the other end of the phone, they just started bawling. Because they're so grateful to know that they have a way to really fulfill that desire in their heart to make an impact. It's amazing. So, we, you know, because it's such a small, bite-sized piece, We're seeing, you know, Eye Falls Lima High School, uh, Kenmore East High School out in Tonawanda. Um, There's there's individuals, there's schools, there's youth groups, there's churches that that are choosing to make an impact in this way. Let's tie this into to give more. I've been amazed as I've learned to be a better giver. I find that just like these folks in Uganda are paralyzed by a poverty mentality, that I also am paralyzed in different ways by a poverty mentality. Uh, There was a time, you know, my wife is a a very generous person and it's had a great effect on me, thank God. Um, But it used to be a very difficult thing. I grew up, I'm one of ten kids, so, you know, never had much money. And so the whole idea of giving financially was a real, like, weird thing for me. I was like, well, we never have any money, so of course we're not going to give financially. I don't think of myself as a generous person because I don't have the option, right? But through my relationship with my wife, She's shown me and, and, and also through things like this project, God's opened my eyes that by uh, giving where, you know, God, God loves a cheerful giver, right? We hear about that. And I think sometimes in that poverty mentality screams at us that it's like God saying, give cheerfully, right? <laughs> and we're like, ugh. And then we feel even worse, right? Because we're like, it's not easy. I'm not really cheerful, right? But I think a lot of times, I think we need to understand that there's some ways that God is more laid back than we give him credit for. Hear me now, where he's going, Hey, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Start where you can start. Take a step where we can start. Find the area that you can give cheerfully. Maybe you can give of your focus. You know, that's been a tremendous area for me where I'm like, All right, I'm going to say no to a lot of things because I want to go deep with this water project. I want to put a lot of my time into this. Focus. I'm going to give my attention, you know. Maybe something like this in your life, you're looking, I'm going to give compassion. I'm going to take the time to look for the suffering around me. Sometimes it's not a nation crying out to you. Sometimes it's the guy in the, in the next queue who you're like, man, he is unusually quiet today. And I just suspect there's something going on in his life, right? Or maybe it's, you know, so, you know I, I happen to, sometimes it's just an embarrassing situation that you know you're like, I can do something to help cover this person. They're, they're being embarrassed. Where, you know, it, it, but it takes a commitment to give. We're at a, uh, <laughs> this illustration is so small, but I think it really shows what you have to be willing to do. We're at a uh, Christmas concert. Have you guys, anybody going to Christmas concerts this time of year at schools? I don't know. Uh, no? Okay, great. I uh, have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, um, we've got a, a foreign exchange student living with us, and uh, she had a Christmas concert, so we went there, and she goes to a school where there's a lot of different ages, and and uh, this one little girl was getting up to sing a solo, you know, and I could tell she was nervous. She had her music in front of her, and, and she picks up the microphone, and she starts to sing, right? You now, I'm a sound guy, and, you know, you didn't have to be a sound guy to realize her mic is not on, right? One of the, it's just, so she's standing there with the thing off, you know, trying to sing, and I'm like, she's got the guts to get up there and sing this song, and now she's got the embarrassment of having the mic off, and she knows it's not on. And everybody else does and so in the middle of it i'm like you know what <laughs> i'm gonna do this. i stood right up and i walked up on the stage to a microphone that i knew was on i picked it up and i just kind of walked right over to her just handed her this took the other one and walked off right not a big deal but at the same time you had to be willing to say i'm gonna i'm gonna take the time and the effort to give in this way to provide and cover this girl's embarrassment right and was it awkward absolutely it was awkward Some strange guy walking up and what was he doing, you know? But that quickly faded and people were able to focus on what was really going on. And I think it's so important to look for anything from a big situation to a small situation. It's all around us. And God is looking to engage us in that kind of conversation to go, there's hurting people around you. Sometimes it's just a small thing. I think compassion is a lot like a muscle. That sometimes we need to build it, you know, to be strong in our compassion and know how to connect that with a real solution, you know, that we need to somehow, you know, practice engaging in that conversation of what do I hear, what do I see, what do I know, what's within my reach to make a difference, how can I give my time, my money, my resources, sometimes it's vulnerability, that's really hard for us to give vulnerability and to give of our hearts, to open ourselves to, to people and things, you know, you know, life is tough, and some of us have been beat, you know, and as a result, we're very protective of that intimate place in our heart. And, uh, you know, Jesse can tell you, he got, to, he got a front row seat uh, to me opening my heart to these people. I mean, from day one where they said, James, come up and greet these people. And I got up and I'm like, just a mess. I just lost it, you know, because here i had been working on the practical side of it. And through that process of learning about tanks and learning about bacteria and learning about, you know, all these different water analysis things, and now I'm in front of the people, and realized that through it all, you know, I'd given of my heart, and now I'm in front of the faces, and I'm just, and every team would joke, you know, every five seconds, James was crying about something, and it's not easy to do, but sometimes the giving that's, that is our first step, or the giving that is most valuable to us, is that vulnerability, and that intimate place in our heart, um, and so as we're looking at give more, I think that it's important to understand that sometimes when God says, I love a cheerful giver, start where you can start. And, and there's a systemic connection uh, between our giving. You know, and suddenly, you know, maybe giving of our time, you know, we really find a lot of comfort in our culture and busyness. How are you doing? Oh, we're busy. Is that, I, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I know we're all busy, you know. And so giving of our time is sometimes something that, it, you know, I, I'll write you a check, but you know, you'll get into my checkbook, but not my date book, right? And so even just clearing out time to go, you know what, I'm going to give some time to these people, to this thing, to this something that's moving me and something that's motivating me, something that God is reaching out and going, you feel that? So we, I think it, we, it takes the time to, we have to focus on that and just make ourselves available. The exciting thing is, If we do that, if we take those steps, it is really wild what God starts to do in our lives. You know, I think the Advent conspiracy is amazing in its ability to interrupt our usual thinking and challenge us to reevaluate things, right? You know, I saw some of the videos, and I've had some conversation with Scott leading up to this, and I was really encouraged just because I really think it it really, they do a good job, these themes, and, and he told me some of the things you guys have been talking about. It's, it's just helpful to, to go, whoa, maybe my usual needs to be interrupted. And I need to think differently and make some changes in, in my priorities and stuff. And, and I think there's follow-through with that that reaches your whole life. Because, like I've noticed with this, if I'm obedient to respond, you know, it's, it's, not, my, it's not my thing to bear. It's not my load to carry to do it all and to solve it all and to have every resource. I thank God that Jesse's church has a desire to follow through with the people that they're going to connect with. Because I, I can't do that part. I'm not supposed to do that part. I certainly don't have time, and I can't be in every place at the same time. My job is to make the introduction and to help and to whatever I can do to strengthen their follow-through on that. And God, because they responded obediently, is now providing opportunity, providing funds, providing people, right? And I think that what we see is as we take that step to give more in some area of our life, God goes, yeah. Here, let me, let me bring some resources to you. You know, if suddenly you're giving more time, let me provide you with a better efficient use of your time. You know, suddenly, you know, we're able to look at our schedule differently. If we're willing to open our hearts where before we had a very hard-hearted approach to things and we're just very, I don't know, just kind of cold and, and protective of who we are, but we start to open up to, in the right time, in the right place, to the right thing, suddenly God's going to bless that and go, oh, I'm going to bring such encouragement to you through this process and really soften your heart in a place where it just was pain, you know? And I think that, you know, I've seen in my own life, suddenly now, whether it's, you know, there's people that want to give, there's people like you know, I never met anybody that had anything to do with Uganda. Now, I can't swing a dead cat with finding somebody that has been to Uganda. It's crazy. It's like suddenly now I'm an intersection for this, right? And so I can, I can tell you that as you step out and become a cheerful giver in whatever way you can and purpose to expand that, you'll find that you become an intersection to, to meet needs. And you'll find that God wants to use you as an intersection to connect resources, whether it's, you know, it's not just all physical resources. It's resources of, of like I said, of, of time and compassion and focus and intangibles, Right. You know, I- encouragement, it, it, it really is an exciting thing to, to think about how it can transform us. And I think, as I know some of your goals as a community, I think so much of it can really be strengthened and, and the ball can be moved down the court by focusing on this and really laying hold of this, give more. So I want to I encourage you because I know, you know, so I'm going to hand off to Scott in a minute here and he's going to talk a little bit more specifically about what your community's response is, is going to be and and the kinds of things that mean something specific to you guys, but I want to encourage you and and challenge you specifically to what we're doing to say, hey, take us wherever you can take us. Some of you are involved in businesses that, you know, hey, end of the tax year is almost here and you'd rather give it to something you, you know, the company would rather give it to a charity that they choose rather than give it to Uncle Sam. Let us be part of that. Johnson & Johnson is going to be sponsoring a tank. We've got the process rolling right now. It takes some time to loosen up that cash, but uh, they're providing a tank in Uganda. You know, public schools, you know, people that were in a public school, some of you are at universities locally, and some of you uh, maybe are teachers, I don't know, but, um, you know, there's ways that we can get in. When we go into into public schools, we're environmentalists. (laughs) I looked at my wife, I'm like, how in the world did I become an environmentalist? I don't hate the planet, but you know, I'm a humanitarian and a missionary. That's what I am. But hey, they put the environmental hat on me. I'm like, all right, here we go. Green, baby. I love it. You know. (laughs) Give me the mic. Put me in front of your students. Let's go. But take us with you and consider how it is that that what we're doing in Uganda can be part of some of your steps towards give more. Because, you know, I've I've got information. Scott, I gave him some flyers uh, that are right here. Uh, And I've got my my card, ask me for my card. Let's make the introductions because there's some of you here that I know there's a a next step that maybe is in your direction that's in addition or different from what is going on with you as a body of believers. So I just want to encourage you with that. So uh, thank you for giving me and Jesse time today to share what is going on in in Uganda, to share, you know, some of the faces and some of the stories and just to share the need and and allow us to come up in front of you as an example of what God is doing in us and through us and having an impact. And I just want to encourage you that this give more thing is transforming. It absolutely changes lives, and there's an efficiency to it that will blow your mind. So lay hold of it, and whatever the price is,
0: pay it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, James, so much. Will you thank James for being here with me and Jesse's going to come back up in a minute um, but I do want to talk about our response to this there are two things I'd like you to do to respond one is it may seem sort of counterintuitive and that's that I want you to come and take communion together and understand that as we take communion together here there are churches in Uganda doing the same thing and that this is yes an act of remembrance yes a spiritual nourishment, but it's also an act of community. And it's not just an act of community for us, but it's an act of community for Christians around the world. So, so come in, and if you're, if you're one of those people, one of those crazy Christians, um, you, you probably know the drill with communion. The other thing I want you to do, and I'm going to be very sneaky, James mentioned these flyers, and I know that you are all interested in the Ugandan Water Project, so um, I'm going to put these on the floor right over here. If you want a flyer, you have to look at that on the wall. Um, <laughs> you can see last week, the first week, we really talked about this specific number of three thousand dollars to put a tank in Uganda. What was what was a, a it's actually a well, which is not totally accurate, but that's okay um, because wells are symbolic of water, just as tanks are, and we we don't we'll, we'll get over that. Um, <laughs> but. And the people who put that together like, did all kinds of work, so I know I'm being a, a jerk. But um, the whole thing was just filled with those red $30 tags. And we said, just take one of those, give $30, like save the $30, you're gonna spend on some stupid Best Buy gift card and, and give it to Clean Water, right? And, and look where we are. From the bottom up, we have uh, over $1,300 now given in one week. Can we finish that tank off today? Do you think we could do that? Let's finish the tank off today so that whatever we give next week goes toward tank number two. That's what I'd like to do. (laughs) Um, So respond at communion and respond by going over there. If you haven't taken a tag yet um, to indicate your desire to give one less commercial gift this season and to give that money to the Ugandan Water Project, um, do that at least just go over and take a look at it. If you took a tag last week and you're thinking, that baby had malaria, (laughs) I probably should take another tag. That's okay. I'm not going to disparage you for taking a a second tag. Um, But I would like you to go over there and respond in in some way. At least take the flyer and, and read about it. And again, for some of you, giving $30 or $300, that's nothing. I'm not saying it's nothing for everybody. I understand that some of you, you know, are... Struggling to make ends meet and the economy sucks and all that But for some of you That is, that would be just Like the, the weakest Response you could give That doesn't mean don't give it, but that does mean You might need to, to kind of do the really Scary thing of going and talking to your boss and saying Hey, is there any chance We could do like a matching Charitable contribution for this, this great project I heard about, or it means something A little more bold, like some of the other ways Of giving of yourself and your time that James was talking about. So I don't want you to be limited to money. I don't want you to think you can throw money at this and then, and then that's your cheerful heart for the day. It might be true, but it might not be enough. Okay, so uh, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Jesus. <laughs> okay, so um, I want Jesse to come back up here if you wouldn't mind. My friend, and he's got another song, and while he's playing that song, the communion table will be open, and that's open for the rest of our time. And, and of course, there's the, we're not actually going to give them water in that gold gilded pitcher, uh, but that is where we're going to collect um, checks. If you have specific checks to water uh, water needs, write it to Artisan Church and just put water in the memo line. Or if you want to drop cash in there, that's okay, too. And uh, we're going to finish off that tank sometime later tonight, I think, if not in the next 20 minutes. So... Um, Ten. Jesse says we can do it in ten. All right. Um, Well, let me turn it back over to Jesse again here, and, uh, and then we'll continue worshiping. And do respond as God calls you.